As we wrap up our the series of full armor of God and and uh, Lord, uh, as we wrap this up, we've been studying this passage out of Ephesians for the last several weeks. This is week eight of the series, and if you know if you're just joining with us today uh, and coming in, we're going to be wrapping up the entire study. And so, but all, all of these messages are available online and archived and podcast. Uh, and video, and so I just encourage you if you're if you're interested to go back and and read through all of them, listen to them, follow along. Um, but today we are wrapping up this series on our full armor of God as we have just honed in on this this last section of the letter to the Ephesians. Now, the letter, uh, Ephesians is is a New Testament letter. It was written by Paul. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, um, but most of his letters are focused on specific people or specific churches and specific situations. They, they're, they're, they address very specific things. Now, Ephesians is a letter. It is, it is a prison epistle, meaning it was written from a prison cell, and, and Paul wrote um, a few of his letters from there. But Ephesians is a little bit different, and it, it doesn't... Um, address really tight issues, it addresses some bigger picture issues. In fact, um, Paul goes through this letter as he addresses many big picture purposes that God has for the church. He addresses many different things in this letter, and then the final topic that he addresses is this idea of spiritual warfare. And he identifies how we as the church are on the front lines of a great spiritual conflict. So we're going to go back to these intro verses this morning uh, of, of as he introduces this topic in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, and so we're going to start by reading this morning Ephesians 6 uh, verses 10 through 13. And if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians 6 verses 10 and through 13. And guys, my clicker is not working for some reason. So you might have to advance them for me. Uh, we'll see. But okay, we're going to open up your Bible. If you have your Bible with you, open up to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read, uh, start at verse 10. And so uh, again, Ephesians 6, verse 10. Here we go. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Right now, as we, you know, realize, again, the, the, just the intro into this concept that Paul gives us in these verses, and, and again, we, we read this passage all the way back in week one, and, and on week one, we see out of these verses, again, what the, these foundational truths that Paul teaches us about this war, and about us being on the front lines. And so the foundational truth, number one, that we see is that, look, now it's working. So now I can do it on my own. Look at that. And you jumped ahead of me already. But foundational truth number one is human power won't bring victory. Only God's power will. Again, this is a battle against evil and these in, in the spiritual realm. This is not a, a human battle, but this is one that we are to fight with God's power. Okay, foundational truth number two is that we don't get to choose if we are involved. Right? Because we are human and we are created in God's image, then God loves us. And because God loves us, um, then we are automatically the target of the enemy in this battle. 
Because the enemy cannot defeat God, and he knows he can't defeat God. But what he wants to do, though, is to hurt God. And he can hurt what God loves. And so we become the primary target of this battle. And we don't get to choose if we're involved. The fact that we are human means we are involved. But we do get to choose if we fight back, if we stand firm. And so we do get to choose that we will no longer be target practice of the enemy, but we will stand firm and we will live out what God tells us to do in our faith. Foundational truth number three is that we need to identify the real enemy. Again, the real enemy is the devil and and his demons and evil. The real enemy is, again, God versus evil. And we are a part of that. And and again, we get to choose to be on God's side. We are not fighting each other. We are not fighting our world or our culture. We are not fighting, you know, other churches or, or anything. We are fighting evil. And we need to make sure that we identify the real enemy and only engage with the real enemy. And then the last foundational truth that we see is that we need the full armor of God. We need every piece. Right? Because any, um, anybody that is good at battle knows that you don't attack where they are strong, you attack where they are weak. And that we need every piece of the armor and it all works together and fits together. And that, that it's, if it's all strong, then we can truly stand firm, but know that the enemy is smart, right? And if we, we leave one of them out or one is not as strong as the other, that's exactly where the enemy will attack. And so we need to make sure that we have the full armor of God. And then as we, again, we spent the last several weeks, so then breaking down each individual part of the armor. And, and Paul goes into it to, to more detail for us in verses um, 14 through 18. And, but we're going to pick up back at 13. Okay, where, again, so Ephesians 6, picking up at 13 again. It says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. So stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Like Paul goes in and explains these different pieces of, of the armor, and he uses this illustration of these pieces of, of the typical Roman soldier's armor. And he lists them in a very specific order. He lists them in the order in which a soldier would put them on. Right? He starts, again, with the belt, and then moves to the breastplate, and then onto the shoes, and the shield, and then puts on his helmet, and lastly would grab his sword, and, and how each of these, again, builds on top of each other. They're all connected in different ways. And again, the, the warrior would put on this armor in a place of protection, and get it all in place, and when they are ready, then they would go out for battle. And again, Paul is instructing us, as God tells us, as followers of him, to put these on in the safety of his presence, and then we can go into battle because we have a battle to fight as followers of Jesus. Again, we get to choose to stand firm, to fight back against the real enemy. 
I said we spent the last several weeks going through each individual piece and kind of looking at them in a more in-depth study of, uh, of where these concepts are seen in Scripture and, and how they all fit together. Um, just in, in, in the, the, the spirit of review today, we're going to go back through those, and I'm going to share with you the final thought of each message that have led up then to today as we wrap this, this series up. And so we start with the belt of truth. The final thought from from that week was, in a world full of lies, Jesus brings truth, and truth changes everything. How much truth is in your life? Again, is the belt tight and ready to to do everything that it needs? Is is your truth fully defined in who God is? Because God is truth, is a part of his character. The next piece we see is the breastplate of righteousness. And the final thought from that message was because God is holy, his actions are righteous. And the closer I get to God, the stronger my defenses become at keeping my faith alive. So are you living a life of holiness? Again, our righteousness becomes um, our last line of defense to keep us alive. Just like the breastplate, again, is there as the last line of defense. But again, the righteousness flows out of God's character because God is holy. And so because he's holy, then then his actions are righteous. And again, we follow that as we become like Christ every day as we move closer to him in our journey. Then we, we moved on the next week to the shoes of peace. The final thought from that week is that the biblical peace focuses on relationships. And without it, the very foundation of your faith is at risk. So are you at peace with God and with other people? Again, especially in in our current state, right, is peace is something that we long for, right, and something that we need. And again, it's at the very foundation of our faith, and the foundation of our faith is relationship. And it starts with our relationship with God as well as with other people. And we move on then to the shield of faith. Right, the shield of faith, the final thought from that week is that a strong faith will stop and extinguish deceptions and lies, protecting the whole body. What flaming arrows need extinguished in your journey? Again, what lies and deceptions have you believed somewhere in your life or in your faith and in, in, in things that have come from other people or from situations or even from the enemy himself? Like what lies have we believed and what lies are holding us back? What do we need to shed off in our life? Again, what needs to be extinguished in our life so that we can be set free to move forward? And again, we talked that week about how the faith was uh, is, is, and the shield that, that Paul describes here is this big shield that, that protects your entire body. And, and when that shield is combined with others around, it creates literally a fortress that the enemy cannot get through. And again, just as, as our righteousness is our last line of defense to keep us alive, our faith is our front, front lines, is our first line of defense, right, against the attacks of the enemy. And then we looked at the helmet of salvation. And the final thought from that week is that everyone needs the helmet of salvation. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, it is important. Is your helmet on? And are you helping others with theirs? Again, the helmet of our salvation, right, is way more than just our conversion experience, right? But it's something we need to continue to put that helmet on every day of our faith journey. Because that helmet not only saves us for eternity, but it also protects our minds. 
right? Just like the helmet protects our head and protects your brain, right? Our salvation should change the way we process and see the world and process our experiences and, and the way that we move forward every day, that we need our salvation. We need to put on that helmet. No matter how long you've been a follower of Jesus, you need that helmet. And then we looked last week at the sword of the Spirit. And how we've seen how God's word is a powerful weapon, right? That every warrior for Christ needs to take seriously. Is the sword of the spirit a part of your daily journey? Again, is God's word a part of your daily life? We saw last week again how this sword we have, it is the only offensive weapon that we are given. We looked last week at how Jesus uses the sword even against the enemy as he's out in the in the desert and being tempted. But we also saw that the sword is not only offensive, it is also defensive, right? It is our source of known truth. And again, how we need to yield that sword and we need to carry it with us all the time. And then we get to today, right? To this last verse, this last piece um, that, that Paul describes. And this is not actually a physical piece of the armor at all, right? This is kind of the umbrella that, that goes over all the entire concept. And that is when we are instructed to pray in the Spirit. Hey, we're going to put on all of these different pieces. We're going to be ready for battle. And, and yet, you know, he tells us in verse 18 to pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. I wish he was more clear about how often we're supposed to pray. Right? I mean, it's not unclear at all, right? He says to pray at all times and on every occasion. There is never a time that you should not pray. And then as we pray, he says we will stay alert and we will be persistent in our prayers for all believers everywhere. We are all supposed to pray, and we're not just supposed to pray for ourselves, we're supposed to pray for, for everyone, right? For God's entire army, right? We are supposed to be covered in prayer, never stop praying, and, and put our trust in the power of that prayer. And again, at this time, we as followers of Jesus, we need to stand firm in the midst of the battle, and that's more true today than it's been in a long time. And yet we are supposed to be praying. Again, just as, as I've asked for you to be in prayer, and, and you know, not just me, I mean, everywhere in our culture and in our world, I, I've seen people from all different places, all different positions, calling people to prayer in these last weeks. And that is exactly what we need to do. Right? And, and as we, we take that to heart, right, again, we need to realize how important prayer is and how powerful it is. Again, when you think about, again, what is prayer? Prayer is just simply talking with God, right? It is being in communication with God. There's really no, no wrong way to do it, right? If you are communicating with God in, in however you do that, then, then you are in prayer. In fact, there are lots of ways to do it. Again, there, there, there might be, um, you might have a routine maybe that you grew up with or in your church, maybe like, like reciting the Lord's Prayer every day or in every service. And there's nothing wrong with doing that, right? Uh, of even, even praying scripted prayers, 
right? If you pray them genuinely, there is absolutely nothing wrong with, with doing that, right? If you find comfort in that, then recite the Lord's Prayer, right? Or re- recite uh, written out prayers to do that. Um, even, even habitual prayer, like, like praying with your family before dinner. And again, I don't know what your normal routines are, but, but in our family, we sit down to dinner um, at our, in our dining room as, as often as we can. And that's not always, always possible, right? Based on schedules and different things. But, but when we sit down as a family for dinner, we, we all hold hands and we pray together. Now, oftentimes, it's just kind of, we do it out of habit. We just, we know that we do that. And, and even sometimes the prayer is even the same prayer every time. But, but it doesn't lose its power because of that. Right? And there's still, again, just the physical act of us sitting down as a family around our table and, and holding hands and just coming to our God and thanking him for what he's provided in our lives. Even if it's this habitual prayer, right? It is still powerful. Again, maybe you close your eyes when you pray. Maybe you don't. Right? There's really no right or wrong ways. Again, the idea of closing our eyes is even just to, to break out those distractions, right? So that we can focus our mind and our heart on God as we pray. But uh, again, full confession, many times I pray while I drive. Okay, there are times, again, as I drive, sometimes that's the only, the only moment of, uh, of slow, you know, quiet time in my entire day is when I can turn off the radio and I can, you know, um, not, you know, look at my phone, which you shouldn't look at your phone when you drive anyway, right? But, or just set it all aside and just drive and I just can pray. Now, obviously, I keep my eyes open, right? But, but that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Right? Maybe you pray on your knees. Maybe you pray standing. Maybe you pray sitting. Maybe you just you pray lying in bed. Again, there, there's nothing wrong with any of those. Right? Even just sitting in silence with your mind and your heart focused on God is prayer. You don't even have to say anything. You can just sit in God's presence. And in fact, some of those moments of prayer are sometimes the most powerful because that's when God has a chance to communicate back to us, right? When we can stop long enough and just listen for his voice. Because again, prayer is, is communication with God. It's supposed to be a two-way conversation. But yet, so many times we're so busy and we're, our lives are going so fast that we just, we miss his voice even if we're forced to slow down, God's voice is there. Listen for it. At any time you connect with God, any way you connect with God, it is good. Think about this. You have an instant connection with the creator of the universe, with the all-powerful God, at any time you want it. That is incredible. You have an instant connection with the creator of the universe, with the all-powerful God, anytime you want it. And yet, do we take advantage of it the way we should? As Paul tells us, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. It should be our first reaction. And it should be the first thing we turn to in times of struggle. Again, Paul models this for us earlier in the letter of Ephesians. 
In Ephesians 3, verses 14 and 16, I mean, Paul writes this. He says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. But Paul prayed that prayer, not just for the people, the original, you know, um, people who received this letter, but he, he prayed that for us, right? Every time we read that letter, that prayer goes back into God's mind and heart as, as Paul prayed for us. Right, for every person who ever reads this letter, right, he, he wanted us to be closer to God. And notice, I mean, Paul identifies, again, the, the power of prayer, who God is, and how he has that instant connection, and how incredible that is, even in his prayer. And he models for us how important it should be. Now, within scripture, there are different kinds of prayers. You know, it's very easy for us to just kind of take our, our prayer request list and just kind of sit down and, and do that, and that, like, that becomes our prayer life. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying for people or praying through the prayer request list. And in fact, that's one of the things I love about our church is that we have this, this great prayer network and where, again, we could turn in our requests and they go out to our, our prayer chain. And, and which it, that's, that's awesome and that's incredible, and we need to continue to do that. But prayer is way more than just that. Hey, this morning, I want to take us through this, these different kinds of prayers that we see in the Bible. Now, there, this is not an exhaustive list. There, there are many others, but, but today we're going to use um, because the, the, the model of an axe prayer. Hey, and there's these different kinds, again, as we spell out the word axe, um, that, that gives us these different kinds of prayers. The first kind of prayer that we see, the A in axe, is a prayer of adoration. Hey, a prayer of adoration. This example of, of, of one of these adoration type prayers. And again, adoration is just praise. Right? It's just acknowledge of who God is and, and of praising him for, again, who he is in his character. And again, remember, many of these parts of the armor are, are centered and focused on God's character and who he is. Again, an adoration prayer in Daniel 4, 34 and 35. It says, after this, um, after this, Time had passed. I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. His rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? Again, this, as, as Nebuchadnezzar comes, again, to the, to the feet of God in prayer and, and, again, praises God for who he is and for his power. And, again, by the way, this was a king that was very far from God right, in many, most of his life. And yet he comes to God with a prayer of adoration and praise. Again, we don't have to always come to God with requests. Right, but we can first come to God just with praise because he is a holy, loving God. And we can come to him in prayer of adoration. Okay, the next kind of prayer in our Acts example is a prayer of confession. 
So we have a prayer of, of adoration and praise, and we have a prayer of confession. And, and again, we, I think most of us get this kind of prayer, right? This is the one, right, where we come to God and we confess our sins or, or confess a wrong attitude or, or, or a confess a struggle to God or, or whatever it is. And, you know, sometimes it feels hard to confess things to God because we feel like that, oh, I don't want to admit that to God, but yet we, if we really sit back and think about it, God already knows, Right? And even these prayers of confession is more about our own hearts and about us getting through those things than it is about God, you know, knowing what's really going on. I mean, God is not shocked, right, when we come with a prayer of confession. Right? But God receives those confessions and heals our own lives and our own hearts through those confessions. We see in 1 John 1, 9, an example of a confessional prayer. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Right? It just takes a prayer of confession. Lord, I, I, I confess this to you. Forgive me, right? And, and we find forgiveness. We, we, we find cleansing. Right? And that's, again, how we find a peace within our heart that, that we've maybe never had before. And we can come to God through a prayer of confession. And as we continue to work through the A, we see the C, and then we get to the T in Acts, and, and that is a prayer of thanksgiving. Again, this, is, this thanksgiving is even different than praise or even different than confession. I mean, are we thankful for those things? Absolutely. But, but we can come to God and, again and just praise him and thank him specifically for what he has done in our lives. Even thank him for his presence. Even thank him for the opportunities he brings into our lives. Thank him for taking you know, horrible things and, and being able to put a positive spin as he touches them with his presence. And, and again, can we truly just thank the Lord? for all that he provides. Because the truth is, anything that we have in our lives that comes from God, we have not earned. Right? And, and that's, that's what true grace is. And so again, anything we have, the only thing we've earned from God is death. And anything we get from God other than death is through grace and mercy. We have so much to thank him for. Uh, an example prayer of Thanksgiving comes out of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't pray or don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Uh, can we come to God in prayer and just thank him for everything that he's provided in our lives. Even in the midst of struggle, we have so much to be thankful for. So we have the A of adoration, the C of confession, the T of thanksgiving, and then the S, right, in Acts, is, stands for the prayer of supplication. Now, I, I combine supplication with, with intercession because they're, they're similar, but they're not exactly the same. Okay, but again, in our, in our Acts, uh, you know, acrostic is there, there isn't an I in Acts, so we're just going to connect it into supplication, like I said, because they're very similar. Okay, but again, but supplication is, is our request. It's, it's those lists of things that we ask of God. 
Right? It's praying for healing for someone else. It's, it's praying for a, an intervention from miracle. It's, it's, again, praying for the salvation of, of a loved one or someone that we come in, in contact with. It's, it's praying for safety, right, as we go on a trip or, uh, you know, whatever it be. It's, it's presenting those requests to God. Right? God, help me through this situation. Help me, you know, figure out what's going on. Help me to restore that relationship, whatever it might be, right? These are our prayers of supplication, if we, we're directed in James chapter 5, verses 13 and 16, okay, where, where he says, he says, any, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and to pray over you. Anoint you with the oil in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. For the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Again, we are instructed here by, by, by James right, to say, is if anything is going on in your life, you should pray about it. Right? Bring those requests to God. Right? And, and, and look, look at all of that and, and say, can you bring those needs to the foot of the cross? And again, that's prayers of supplication. Now, now like I said, intercession is similar. We can, we can bring those requests to God, but, but intercession prayer is when you pray those for someone else. Okay, when you intercede for them. Like I said, it's similar to supplication, but, but yet even, even in this James passage, we see he describes some intercessory prayer, right? He says, have other people of the church come and pray for you and pray with you. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, we have another example of, of intercessory prayer. Okay, where he says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and for all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Again, all of these verses that, that talk about prayer are, are leading us down this road of, uh, that, again, that Paul tells us to do as we cover over all of the armors, we put it on, he says, now cover it with prayer. Right, pray all the time. And, and, you know, many of these verses have been going around, you know, the internet and around different places over these last weeks. And they should be, right, because they give us lots of instruction. They bring, give us, again, focus on the power that comes through prayer. Right, and we should be living these out as we, as we have our daily prayer life as followers of Jesus. Again, if you have your outline or if you're following along, I, I encourage you to underline that phrase in this last verse. This phrase that God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Now, as we think about and see this concept of prayer and, and realize that, that prayer is just us connecting with God and being in communication, this truly shows us the heart of God. Again, who does God want to connect with? Everyone. Who does God want to be saved? Everyone. God wants everyone to be saved. God wants everyone to understand the truth. Again, if we are truly going to live out this challenge that Paul gives us to put on the armor, to stand firm, 
to use the armor in battle, then we have to do it with God's power. Not our own, but God's power. Right? And we have to be able to connect with God's power, and our primary connection to God is through prayer. And again, who does God want to have this power? Everyone. He wants you to have this power, to be connected with him, to be saved, to have that assurance of that no matter what happens, I am on God's side. That no matter when the end comes, that we know that God wins and that I'm on God's side. And so we come to just this, this overarching truth of, of this entire study, and that is this, is that if you are going to stand firm and use the armor, you must be committed, saved follower of Jesus. We have to be connected to our God. We have to fight with his power. If we are ever going to stand firm, if we are going to be able to use the armor at all, we must be a committed, saved follower of Jesus. Again, I don't know where your faith journey is. I don't know if you've ever joined the journey of faith before. But that is the only way you can stand firm. is to receive Christ as your Savior. Right, to be committed to him, to invite him into your life, to have him not just be your savior, but to be your Lord every day. Again, others can pray for you and, and, and again, intercede for you in their prayers, but you have to accept Jesus into your life. That is a decision only you can make. Nobody can make that for you. Again, I can't save you. Your friends and your family cannot save you. It is completely between you and God. Only he can save. And we've seen the heart of God. Again, we, we saw that in that verse, right? The heart of God is that you can be saved because you are included in everyone. Again, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you've ever received Christ as your savior. Maybe you have received Christ as your Savior at an early time in your life, but, but yet even during this time, you're realizing, man, I've really drifted away from God. Right? And I, I need to recommit my life to him. Right? Maybe you've been walking with God every day and you're 100% saved, but maybe we just need to be reminded about our helmet right? and process everything that's going on through the lens of our salvation. And so this morning, as I kind of start to wrap down this message in this series is I, I want to walk through, again, the, the gospel message, the foundation of the armor, the foundation of who God is and how we are saved. Okay, we start with Romans 3.23, when it says, for everyone has sinned and all fall short of God's glorious standard. You know, we already talked about, right, how God is holy, right, and, and that he, again, therefore he is righteous, and yet that is God's standard. And yet we have all sinned, right? We all fall short of that standard, which means our relationship with God has been broken because of our sin. And we are born with a sinful nature. And so just again, because we are human, right? We have this sin. Again, everyone has sinned. And all sin separates us from God in relationship. Because God is holy and he can't be in the presence of sin. 
we all have sin in our lives. In Romans 6, 23, it tells us, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, scripture speaks to two different kinds of deaths. There's, there's our physical death, where our bodies wear out, they get sick, they stop working, right? That our bodies die. That is not the death that this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about our spiritual death, the death of our soul, right? When our soul is after our physical death, right? When we are completely separated from God's presence, that is the spiritual death. And that is the wages of sin, right? Is, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We can be forgiven of our sin. Right? We don't have to, to suffer the penalty of our sin, even though we all have sin. Right? We, we have this gift of God through Jesus Christ to be set free from our sin. We see in Romans 5, 6, and 8, it explains to us this fact that we can be set free. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Right, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Right, God, again, God knows of our sin. He knows that we're separated and he took it upon himself by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a sinless life, to die on a cross, to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can be saved, so that we can be, again, set free from that sin, so we don't have to pay that penalty. God paid it for us so that we can be reconciled to him in relationship. Right? It is by the blood of Jesus that we are made holy. Again, who has access to this salvation? Everyone. Why did God do that for us? Because he loves us. He loves you. And he wants you to be saved. He wants you to be set free from the penalty of your sin. So how do we receive that gift? Right, God sent Christ to accomplish it. And, and as Christ said, it is finished. It's already paid for. But, but we then have to receive that salvation. We have to, to open our lives and our hearts and receive Christ as our Savior. And that's how we join the journey of faith. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, tells us how we can do that. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it's by believing your heart that you're made right with God and it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So again, just two simple steps, right, of how you receive this gift of salvation. One is just believing in your heart. Believe that God is real, right? The believing that he sent Jesus Christ, right? That he lived a sinless life on this earth, that he died on a cross, that he rose again on the third day, right, to purchase our salvation. Just believing that that's true is the first step. Okay, and then it says the second step is to, to confess with your mouth. Okay, and that's, again, to, to invite Jesus into your life. And we do that step through a simple prayer. Again, if you've never received Christ as your Savior before, then you can do that right now. You can pray a prayer, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you want to pray this prayer, you can just repeat it. You can confess it with your mouth. You can pray it out loud. You can pray, just pray it in your mind. But if you genuinely pray this prayer, right, then you will be saved and have access again to God's power and have his spirit over 
dwell in your life and, and bring up presence in your heart. So if, if you are at that place, if you want to accept Christ as your Savior this morning, all right, then I invite you to pray this prayer with me now. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I turn from it right now. I thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and my life right now. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and be my friend. Help me to follow you all the days of my life as your disciple. Thank you for forgiving and receiving me right now. Thank you that my sin is forgiven and that I am going to heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, maybe you've already received Christ your Savior. Maybe you've prayed that prayer before, but you've realized that you've drifted from God. And if that's you, I just encourage you to pray a prayer of rededication in your life. And again, the same thing, you can pray this out loud, pray it in your mind, but if you want to just rededicate your life to Christ this morning, then pray this prayer with me. God, I am sorry for my sin. I am sorry that I strayed from you. I ask you to forgive me now as I repent of my sin. I don't want to live like a prodigal any longer. Renew and revive me as I once again follow you as my Thank you for your forgiveness, for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Again, it is time for us to stand firm. God. Whether you just prayed those prayers or whether you prayed those a long time, you've been walking with Christ every day for years. It is time for us to stand firm. 100% in these crazy uncertain times, we serve a God that is certain, that a God that is all-powerful. And it is in these times that our faith becomes very real. We will stand firm. We will rely on God's power. And we will, together as his church, take back what hell has stolen. Because we are going to fight and win the battle. Again, if you prayed those prayers today, I just want to ask that you would let us know that. Because we want to pray for you, we want to follow up with you, and help you in your faith. So if you prayed either of those prayers today, could you just shoot us an email? Hey, or go onto our website and just and, and let us know that you pray those prayers so that we can be praying with you as, and, and help you in your faith. But as we look at this whole concept, I want to end this morning with this final thought, and that is this. It comes out of 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 18, where it says, Always be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I hope that we will truly live out these words as we all stand firm together. Lord God, that's our prayer today, Lord. Just give us you. Lord, we thank you that you're with us. Lord, no matter what we face, you're with us. We claim that promise today. God, we praise you, God, that you are with us. God, that you purchased our salvation. God, we thank you that you're not just our Savior, but our Lord. God, you walk with us every day. 
And I pray, God, that as we walk through these next days and weeks and months, God, that we're walking with you. God, bring us a peace. Bring us a comfort. Bring us protection. Bring us provision. God, we love you. We praise you today. And God, guide us as we represent you in this world, especially in these times, as we stand firm in you. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. God, guide us as we go, Lord, as we represent you in every conversation, in, in, in every task, in, in everything we face. God, we do it with your power. Thank you, God, for being with us. We can connect with you in prayer anytime we need to. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.